0: Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here, excited today to be joined by Marjorie Cass McEwen, who is recently married. So folks may know her as Marjorie Cass. She's soon to be known as Marjorie McEwen. She's the founder and CEO of a company called Ally. Let's dispense with the amenities and welcome Marjorie to the show. Marjorie, welcome to Trending in Education.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Mike.
0: Congratulations on, on your marriage. Congratulations on the work you're doing at Alley using classic works of literature to create lesson plans for teachers challenged with teaching literacy in these trying times. We're going to get into that as the bulk of our conversation. What we normally do to get folks warmed up here is hear from you in your own words, your origin story. How did you get to this point in your professional life? Please share with us how you got to this point in your career.
1: Yeah, great. So I I spent the majority of my career in New York City public charter schools into school admin, you know, down in, I was dead in Red Hook. And then I started off as a teacher in the South Bronx and then eventually became a middle school principal in East Harlem Mm. and then ended my school-based career as a small network leader where I coached other principals who were leading other schools. Mm. And so I did that for a little over 10 years. When I was a middle school principal, actually, I was responsible for coaching all of my teachers at first when we were a small team, and then most of my teachers. And my background was in um, literacy instruction. I was a certified uh, literacy coach. So I was excited to continue to stay connected to that work through coaching my teachers and I had really bright teachers, super hardworking, and I was a pretty good coach. It was one of my strengths as a school leader, even with those two ingredients, right? It's smart, hardworking, committed teacher and a high-quality coach who believes in the importance of coaching teachers, it still wasn't enough. And so I had teachers that could have been incredible and and had incredible careers, really high impact if they had stayed in the classroom, make a, a really big difference for a lot of kids over the course of however many years. But, you know, they would leave after three years. And so what I started to think about is it, like how could I take everything that I had learned as a teacher as a coach of teachers and then as someone who is a certified literacy coach and how could I take all of that mm-hmm. and smash it up put it into a box and hand it over to the teachers that I was teaching and so in essence like I was trying to figure out a way to shorten the learning curve it takes years for teachers to to get good. And the problem then and now is that teachers just aren't staying in the classroom long enough to get good at it. And for teachers, as you know, I mean, having an impact is the reason why they do it in the first place. And so if they feel like they're not having an impact, yeah, you know, with everything else going on, especially today, they're not going to stay in the classroom. And I started thinking about this when I was a middle school principal. And then I decided at some point to go to business school. And I didn't necessarily go to business school to become an entrepreneur, but I was at MIT and it's a very innovative entrepreneurial place. And that's a a lot of the programs was geared towards that. And so they have this module called Idea Week where, you know, everyone in the class gets to pitch an idea for 60 seconds. And so I pitched this idea and lo and behold it got a lot of traction. People were excited about it. I had incredible classmates to help me work on the idea for the course of a week. And we were one of the four teams that were recognized at the end of the the week. And so I continued to work on it while I was in school. I had the support and help of Faculty and classmates, and uh, there was so much momentum and so much sort of positive thinking around the idea that I ended up leaving my job at that point. I left my job in September 2021 and started working on this idea full time.
0: Yeah, and that's not too long ago. You're about eight months into to this ride, which is fun. We wind up talking to folks across the full range of the entrepreneurial life cycle, but it's it's always really interesting when it's just Getting started and, and even the ideas that you're talking about sounds like you've been ruminating on them over the years. And then through this opportunity at, at MIT, something started to to take shape. That something is called Ali, correct? Mm-hmm. And it's all capital letters, I believe. Yes. Is it an acronym?
1: It sure is. It stands for the Alexandria Learning Ecosystem for Educators. Alexandria is a library of Alexandria, which if you don't know the story, check it out. It's very cool. And just I think the reason why I picked it is because it just I think it, it really is a story that exudes the power of literacy and books. And that's what Ali is really about, bringing people back to this idea of the power of books and literacy. And then one of my professors, at first it was just the Alexandria learning ecosystem and he kept calling it ALE. Right.
0: And
1: so I said, okay, we've got to add another E on there. So there you go.
0: (laughs) Right. Exactly. So what does the second E stand for?
1: For educators. Alexandria learning ecosystem for educators.
0: For educators. And it is for educators. And You still have that deep history. It was many years you spent in a classroom and or hands-on as a coach helping folks really focus on literacy, that's also where Allie is focused. KDA, yeah. shape up for yeah. us what we're up against when we talk about literacy. What's the problem space? And then we can get yeah. into what you're designing to, to help us solve it.
1: I'm sure um, you've, you've had guests, and I think I've actually heard guests before, talk about the current state of literacy in our country. We, a third, just one third of fourth graders in the country are at grade level, are reading at grade level which is an absolute crisis, right? Just in terms of the future life that those particular children can provide for themselves, but also the impact that that has on our economy at large. And so it's a big problem, right? And and I think what's happened is that decision makers, policy makers are people with good intentions and just don't understand the science of teaching and learning, right? Just because you sat in a classroom for 12, 13 years doesn't mean you understand how people learn, right? right? Right. There's a science behind that. And I think that people tend to forget about that. And so what's happening is that people are making decisions that are really good at getting short-term gains, but people are losing sight of what the actual problem is. And that problem is that teachers are underprepared for the challenges that they face in the classroom. And that Mm -hmm. means that they are not getting the training that they need in teacher preparation programs. And once they get to the classroom are altogether abandoned. And that's not because school principals are bad. It's because they just don't have the time. There's just not enough time in the day. What's happening is like quick fix, right? Teaching books in their full form is a really hard thing to do. It's a very difficult thing to do. And it's a difficult thing to teach teachers to do. And so what has happened is that there are so many solutions out there that are either scripted or they are based on manufactured synthetic texts that are written by test writers somewhere sitting in an office and yeah. or they're teaching excerpts. And wh- what's happening is that using those types of solutions robs children and teachers alike of the engagement and sophistication, you know, all of the things that comes with engaging in rich, authentic literature. Yeah. And so now what's happening is that, you know, people are teaching these synthetic texts or they're teaching excerpts and kids are disengaged. There's no scaffolding. Like I said, these are texts written by people in an office that are writing these texts written to specifically teach a skill, right? They're not reading a book that an author intended this really deep and important life lesson. Like you, you lose all the the good stuff when you do that. And then so people are being forced to teach those things and then add on engagement, right? And they're sort of gamifying it. And, And really, if we just went back to basics and went back to teaching the books, the engagement is there. The characters are engaging, their trials and tribulations, their, you know, the the structure of a plot is engaging. Right. Naturally.
0: I was talking to Sunil Gandaria a, a few episodes ago, and he was talking about how children just enjoy learning. Learning is intrinsically rewarding. I would say reading is also one of those things. But as things get more complex, you have to actually train people to get through the resistance so that they're at a comfortable level of competency so that they can actually enjoy it. I also, full disclosure, I'm starting to ride my bike again and I'm right now powered through that resistance phase, but it does seem like the motivation to learn and the, the emotional health of both the teacher and the student, so that they're ready to learn is something that's become much more front and center. in a lot of the conversations that I've been having here. I'd love to hear how Ali can help there. But before we do that, can you just clarify specifically what Ali is and, and what it's designed to do?
1: Mm-hmm. So Ali is a digital instructional tool that supports teachers of literacy to teach books in their full form. Mm-hmm. So we, we like to think of about it as it's really important for us to give teachers a balance of support and autonomy. And so we've created a space where teachers can choose from a list of really high quality books that are fertile soil for teachers. And they, we, we say that there are a lot of books worth reading, but not a lot worth teaching. And that's that's no knock on the books that sort of are, are are best for kids to curl up with in the corner and read. But to to be able to distinguish between a book that's a great read for kids and a great Book to teach for teachers, I think, is a it's a skill that gets developed over time. And so we've done the work, and we've chosen super high quality books on our platform. And we provide teachers with teaching suggestions throughout the book. Our annotations are standards aligned. They're scaffolded to meet the needs of students at all levels, and they're adaptable. And teachers, we believe in the capacity and the capability of teachers. They know their students best, and so we offer a lot of good content so that you you can't make a bad choice, right? You can't go wrong. And we give guidance and we say, if you're seeing this in your classroom, you might want to do this. And if you're seeing this, you might want to do this. And, and then we let teachers choose. And so it's like I said, that the balance of support and autonomy is really what I think teachers need to be able to stay in the classroom. And it's what school leaders need. So Allie is high quality enough where once teachers use it, it will have an immediate impact on student achievement and engagement, but it is also generative. It's transferable. And so when teachers are teaching one book, the way that they're thinking about teaching changes as they're using Ally. And so they can apply that thought process to teaching books in the future. So it's teaching them how to think about teaching.
0: That's interesting. One of the things I keep gravitating back to in conversations lately is the blend between the human and the technology that the human and the AI, cyborgs. I've also talked about centaurs, but there is the the notion of, you know, augmenting humans with technology so that they can perform at a higher level. It's overly complicated if you really think about it. It's something we've been doing for a long time, even thinking about, you know, how whiteboard technology evolved and how new forms of technology are making it into the classroom. I'd love to hear a little more from you on how you think about the blend of technology and humans and how much teaching is a human experience versus how you would use the, the screens and the technologies to help.
1: Absolutely. I think I think you said it exactly right. Teaching and learning is a very deeply human experience. It's a very deeply social experience. And the idea of sticking students in front of self-directed learning and laptops it just isn't going to cut it teachers are making thousands of decisions a day they're making pedagogical decisions they're making content decisions and then they're making human decisions based on the 25 kids yeah. that are in front of them and right. so it really is this blend between an art and a science and i i, I believe strongly That technology should be used to empower and support teachers, not replace them. I think we are in for it. If we continue down this road of replacing teachers with computers and gamifying instruction and all those things that a lot of ed tech companies are focusing on these days, using technology to cut down on the time it takes for teachers to do certain components of their work or to help them give better feedback and faster feedback to kids, helping yeah. them use data so that they can have more specific, they can make more specific decisions tailored to individual students' needs. Yeah. That's how we should be using technology to make teachers better, not to replace them by any means.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And then the other topic around books these days is which books are available in which libraries, an area of real controversy. uh, uh Hot button item, if you will, within the world of, of education trends these days. I know Ali is the technology, but how do you address the, the the books that are accepted into your program? How are you How are you navigating that complexity these days?
1: Well, listen. I mean, we're going to put the books on our platform that we believe should be in the hands of teachers and students, and if Ali gets into a district where one of the books that we've chosen to put on our platform is banned, um, the bluest eye is going to be on our platform. Mm. We're, not, we're not taking that one down. And, right, right. and and I think what I would say is that I, there's a spectrum for why people either want to ban or limit teachers' ability to teach certain books. And on one end of the spectrum, it's just plain racist. It's just plain oppressive. Right. You go back into history and you look at all the groups that have tried to limit books and literacy from other groups that's what it is but there is another group of people you know and i'm thinking about teachers in particular right who want to teach books but don't know how or they want to teach books but they're afraid of making a mistake right now teachers are placed in a position where there are more eyes on what they're doing than there ever have been in the past. And that's scary, right? You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to say the wrong thing, right? You don't want to offend anybody. And of course, some of these topics are going to make people uncomfortable. Sometimes discomfort is good, but it's really about wanting to do it the right way and wanting to give your kids the experience that they deserve in navigating some of these difficult topics. And some of these things are, you know, about race and sexuality and gender identity. And then other things are just plain adolescent stuff that yeah. shows up in YA books like sex and drugs and violence and that's part of coming of age stories right yeah. since the beginning of time and sometimes it can be specifically for new teachers if you're 23 or 24 and you're teaching 14 year olds and there's a scene in a book that has to deal with sex that can be really scary and you want you want to know how to navigate that and so Ally is a tool that can help teachers navigate difficult situations, not just by talking about how this particular part in the text is aligned to a specific standard, but also speaking to teachers on a plain level to, to say, This is how you might want to talk to your kids. If this is the first time you've broached this subject in a book, here's how you might want to handle that. And here's some suggestions for how to have a conversation with your students so that you can navigate these difficult conversations. Here's what you might want to say to parents, right? Here's a sample of a letter that you might want to send home to flag for them that we're about to read a book that deals with this particular topic. And we're not going to change what we think are important books to put in front of kids based on all the nonsense that's going on right now. And what we're, what we're going to try to do is for those individual teachers who might not be up against book bans, like formal book bans from their district, but are on a personal level nervous about picking a particular book, we're going to help them do that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It reminds me of, I I like to quote Whitney Houston uh, and say, I get social emotional baby. I've been doing that for far longer than I should, but I have to keep coming back to it because you are teaching the whole child. It is the whole teacher and folks are under more stress than they've ever been. And schools have become politicized and polarized and it's become a very challenging time, Uh, truth be told. I don't always fully understand what people are talking about. There's always chances to catch folks up a little bit later on. Yeah. As someone who's lived this and worked as a literacy coach, worked up through the chain in, in terms of literacy education, can you catch us up a little more uh, on on what this is about?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think I, I am an educator at heart. And because of that, agree with you and believe that there's always an opportunity to catch people up. But the later it is, the harder it gets, because I'm sure you've heard the saying that after third grade, you're not really learning to read anymore. You're reading to learn. And what happens is now kids in fourth grade and seventh grade and 10th and grade have to do those things simultaneously. Right. So you have to learn how to read and write and you have to use those skills that you're not necessarily at grade level at in order to digest and learn and connect with other information. So it, it does become harder, but it is absolutely possible. And that's one of the things that we thought about pretty deeply when designing Ally is knowing that there are learners all over the country, especially after the pandemic at all different levels. And the first thing that teachers need to be able to do is recognize when kids are below grade level and, and for what reason. So there are a lot of reasons it can be b- below grade level. And You really have to have the ability to break reading, both actually reading the letters and the words on the page and understanding what those things mean. There's two aspects there. So you have to understand those things really deeply as a teacher. And you have to be able to thin slice a reader's abilities and say, because you you won't have, it'll be very rare to have a reader who is on grade level with everything or not on grade level with everything. So you have to be able to, like I said, thin slice those skills and be able to analyze which particular skills they're at grade level, right, Mm and which particular skills they are not. And this is where I think technology can be incredibly helpful is helping teachers monitor all the different skills. And we use Common Core. We'll have crosswalks to other states that don't use Common Core. But but yeah, thinking about being able to look at a glance as to how your students are performing at each particular standard or skill and then knowing what to do with that. And so what we've done is built in a couple of different ways for teachers to address students that are below grade level and actually above grade level too, because that's just as important, right? If if kids are overperforming and you're not I even mean, you're not meeting their needs, you're giving them their work that's too easy. We've all seen the stories of kids who get who get bored and then they get into trouble and then they're disengaged. So both things are equally as important. And so what we've done is we've built in at grade level for each teaching suggestion that we give to teachers, there's three levels of instruction. And we believe deeply in this idea about a, a scaffolded scale of instruction where if if a student is at one level and you under scaffold or over scaffold, you're robbing them of an opportunity to learn within their zone of proximal development, which is a sweet spot of ability and challenge. So that's what those three different types of prompts are for. But then what we also do is if, let's say, for example, you, Mike, are a seventh grade teacher and you are teaching Animal Farm. We've got a sixth grade version, a seventh grade version, and an eighth grade version of that book. And so right now, you're looking at the seventh grade version, but if you've got, you know, you, you pull up one of our, one of our engagements, one of our annotations that's aligned to seventh grade standards, and you've got a handful of kids that for that particular standard are below grade level, you can flip back to the sixth grade version Mm. and you can look at that standard because obviously the standards increase in complexity as the years go on. And so one really great way for teachers to scaffold and get kids to where they need to be is to be able to understand that vertical alignment. That takes a great deal of expertise and training that unfortunately a lot of teachers aren't getting. And so what we tried to do is build that in for them and make it an intuitive process where, okay, I've got Marjorie and she's a little bit behind in this skill. And then all of a sudden you see a button pop up that says, go to previous grade or go to next grade. And we just make that information readily available to teachers so that it becomes an intuitive process for them to think about that vertical alignment and know that they can rely on the standards to be able to support them with supporting kids who are below or above grade level.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And because uh, we're a spotting show, I always wind up gravitating towards any web three terminology. So that immediately made me think about what if we had an augmented reality display for the teacher so that they could be seeing this in real time while they're looking at their students? Wow. This this is the type of technology that could be on the horizon. That's in the AR VR space. You got some AI machine learning chops. You are coming out of MIT. Lily Wang (laughs) recommended you to the show. So shout out to Lily. How are you thinking about using emerging technology, you're describing the real need and some of the personalization and differentiation you need to provide for the instructors. How are you thinking about using technology on the back end to power that?
1: Yeah, like I said, we're not really about volume, right? We're about quality and not quantity. But having said that, we want to make sure that it's not just classics on our platform. We're not just looking for the animal farms of the world. We're also looking for the Dear Martins and more modern books that are written in the last five years. We want to make sure that every year we're keeping current with all of that. And so what that means is that there will always be a need for new books on our platform. And we want to make sure that we have the capacity to do that. And so we've been thinking a lot about using machine learning in order to to help us identify different patterns of language or sentence structure in books that tend to lend themselves to literary devices or certain skills. And so we're working on getting a core set of books and we'll determine in the future how many books that is, but we'll get a core set of books and those books will already be tagged, right? So they'll already be tagged to literary devices, reading strategies, character education skills, and values and standards. And if we can train machines to recognize the specific words or language patterns or sentence structures, that would help us a great deal in being able to move fast enough to keep up with current books.
0: Yeah, makes sense. As someone who earlier in my career was writing some of the synthetic passages you were describing before, just getting help from technology can make you faster and more efficient. You're not necessarily going to write Moby Dick, but you could assemble the components, you could get the passages that you might need to focus on as part of yeah. your instruction. Where do you see the world of literacy education heading in say the next five, 10 years, you're early in your journey. Mm-hmm. What do you see on the horizon for literacy education? mm mm-hmm.
1: I I mean, I think my answer is going to be drastically different than maybe others on the show and and maybe drastically different from other ed tech founders. But my hope, and, and I think this is maybe different from what I see, but my hope is that we get back to basics, we get back to books right? We start to think about technology as a way to bring books back into the classroom and support teachers with the really difficult task that it is to be able to teach those books well. And so that's a really anti-tech boring answer to your question. But really, I think I do believe in my heart of hearts, that's the answer. From the beginning of time, teaching and learning was a student, a teacher, and a book. And that's what we believe is the basic recipe for high quality literacy instruction
0: yeah and whole books right the whole book it's almost like whole food or 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 whole whole wheat but but the the whole book as opposed to decomposing and then pulling excerpts together because we're seeing a lot of that starting to happen now as well
1: yeah i mean for two reasons one if if you think about a, a book like the giver and you read three pages from The Giver or A Wrinkle in Time, like, who could possibly make sense of that? That would be bananas, right? (laughs) Like, how can you make sense of the character development, what's happening in the world? In those books, it just doesn't make sense. And then on a more serious note, there are really important skills that people have to learn in order to be successful in the world that comes from long-term analytical thinking. Mm. You have to be able to look at a character over the course of an entire novel and pull information forward and understand how a character develops and changes or understand how the setting inpla- impacts the plot of a book. Mm. And you can't do that if you're just reading three pages. So not only are you making these incredibly engaging books disengaging and confusing you're also robbing students of the opportunity to practice really important skills that they will need as adults
0: mm, yeah thinking of the book as a gestalt great Lev Vygotsky huh. would be proud of us shout out to to Lev Vygotsky
1: he's my uh, man I love that guy he's,
0: he's pretty good also I, I'm a big fan of Luma Zygarnik uh, mm-hmm. one of one of his pupils but that's besides that's, the point yeah Marjorie, it's been a a wonderful conversation thus far. If folks want to learn more about what you're doing or are there any websites or places people should go to learn more? Yes.
1: Yep. MyAlly.com. And then all of our social media is my underscore alley underscore.
0: All right. And that's uh, just M-Y and then A-L-E-E. That's right. And we'll have all this up on the show notes for this episode. Excellent stuff. Marjorie Cass McEwen, the CEO and founder of Ali. Thank you so much for joining us on Trending in Education.
1: Thank you so much, Mike. It was a blast being here.
0: Awesome. And for our listeners, hopefully you enjoyed what you heard. If you did, write us a review. Tell your friends. Do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.